What's up, guys? Here in the studio, <clears throat> the little solo podcast, uh, MMA show, MMA Unraveled. Uh, Going to be doing one I've been wanting to do for a little while. I uh, just had some extra time. I'm sitting around working on uh, <clears throat> recording a couple of solo podcasts I've been wanting to do. I uh, just finished up a Music Unraveled over James or Maynard James Keenan from uh, Tool, A Perfect Circle, and Pussifer. Uh, that is up on Podbean here momentarily. Uh, I'm working on getting a few more links copied in. So BJ Penn Unraveled, audio only. Uh, I'm going I'm, I'm to upload this on YouTube as well, though. <clears throat> so let's kind of get into um, BJ Penn Unraveled as a topic, or uh, as I titled this podcast, BJ Penn's Last Ten Fights. So um, I remember one of BJ Penn's last uh, super dominant performances against uh, what I would say uh, is, a, is a legit competitor in Diego Sanchez. Uh, <clears throat> horrible doctor stoppage. BJ Penn uh, in the fifth round, about halfway through the fifth round, just kicks Diego Sanchez's forehead open. So that's at UFC 107. I'm going to look at that fight card real quick, um, <clears throat> and I'm going to break down some of these fights. I'm not going to watch this one while uh, while I'm casting, but uh, I'm going to I'm going to watch some fights, and I might even start off watching um, a little. Uh, I highlight a BJ Penn because he's a dominant champion. But the reason I'm wanting to do podcasts to kind of raise awareness about these fighters who are <clears throat> pushing into their late 30s, early 40s, they are consistently losing matches, but yet they're still licensed to fight. They're still allowed to fight, and the UFC is still putting them on, whether it's name, notoriety, or what have you. Uh, BJ Penn is still fighting, and I strongly feel as if um, because I used to be a big BJ Penn uh, Penn fan, and now his legacy is just super tainted. Um, he's uh, in his last ten fights is is uh, is depressing what what he's come from. So uh, on this card, I remember watching this card on pay per view. BJ Penn Diego Sanchez was a headliner for the um, lightweight title. Frank Mir uh, fought Czech Congo, choked him unconscious in the co-main. John Fitch, who gives a fuck. Uh, Kenny Florian, uh, Clay Guida. That was an exciting fight, um, to the best of my rem uh, memory. And uh, Kenny Florian chokes Guida out. Stefan Struve fights Paul Buonatello, um to win. Alan Belcher fights on the undercard uh, against Wilson Govea uh, and wins. Alan Belcher from my home state of Arkansas. TJ Grant's on the undercard. Husmir Paul Harris. He'll hook somebody. No surprise there. Paul Harris and Johnny Hendrick is, Hendricks is fighting on the undercard here. So that's December 12, 2009, when this goes down. UFC 107. It's in Memphis, Tennessee. I think that's the only event that they've had there. They had 13,000 person attendance and a $1.5 million gate uh, and 620,000 pay per view buys, it looks like. So um, it was. Uh, it was a good little card. I remember having, I actually have that card on DVD, but now I have UFC Fight Pass, so I can pull up whatever I want to talk about here on the podcast. So <clears throat> before BJ fights Diego Sanchez and destroys him, I'm going to kind of recap his career. There's a few fights. Uh, was second fight ever in UFC 32 was against Dean Thomas. His first pro fight was in uh, UFC 31. Uh, he feats, uh, defeats... Uh, Kyle Uno at the knockout at UFC 34, fights at UFC, so like UFC 31, 32, 33, 35, 37, 39, he fights, uh, beats Paul Crittenton, Crittenton and uh, Paul Crate, Crichton, I don't even know who that is, 
Matt Sarah, Jens Pulver. He loses to Jens Pulver at UFC 35 via decision. Uh, takes a draw to Kyle Uno again at UFC 41. He fights him again. Takanori Gomi, rear naked chokes him. Rear naked chokes Matt Hughes. Submits Dwayne Ludwig. And a lot of people on the side, guy, BJ Penn is a first world champion in jiu-jitsu. Uh, uh, first American world champion in jiu-jitsu. He's an incredible jiu-jitsu background as well as his MMA, but MMA just seems to be what he's most known for. That's a notable win over Dwayne Ludwig. Uh, I'm a huge Dwayne Ludwig fan, big TJ Dillashaw fan. Um, beats Rodrigo uh, Gracie. These are at the K1 MMA Rumble on the Rock and uh, things of that. K1 Heroes, he fights Leota Machida at like two, uh, two, a heavyweight. Penn weighs in, uh, which says open weight bout. Penn weighs in at 191. Machida weighs 225. He loses a decision. Uh, comes back, beats Enzo Gracie, loses to GSP, loses to Matt Hughes, two fights in a row, UFC 58 and 63. Then he comes back on a tear, beats Jens Pulver, beats Joe Stevenson, one of the most violent, nasty fights, wins a lot of heavyweight champion. Like a lot of people don't remember, at a certain point, the UFC took away the, the lightweight title, and that's why I believe in uh, it, UFC 46, um, you see him move up to welterweight. Um, but let's see, that draw with Kyle Uno it was a UFC lightweight tournament final for the lightweight championship. He fights to a draw, and I think it was after UFC 41 that they did away with the lightweight division. I'm gonna see if I can't um, see if I can't look that up. When did the UFC um, get rid of the lightweight division? Let's see what they say here. <clears throat> Lightweight MMA. Uh, let's see. Lightweight division. Ambiguity and clarification. Lightweight division was reinstated at UFC 58. After falling into disuse following UFC 49, Sean Chirk, a former welterweight champion contender, defeated Kenny Florian at UFC 64, becoming the first UFC lightweight champion since 02. So from 02 until UFC 58, which was in 06, so there was no lightweight division in the UFC. And I hope I'm correct on those dates. I'm just kind of reading it as I'm sitting here talking about it. So um, <clears throat> that's kind of the history of the, the lightweight belt. Uh, and... Uh, or the history of that division, rather. So, in BJ Penn, he comes back and um, loses a UFC 58 to GSP, and then loses again TKO at UFC 63 to Matt Hughes. Then comes back, I said, beats Jens Pulver, Joe Stevens, and Sean Shirk, and um, he wins the vacant lightweight title from Jen, uh, Joe Stevenson. In that super gory fight, then he defends it and defeats Sean Shirk. I remember when this fight came out. I was, um, and I've trained with Sean Shirk. It's dude's got super sick wrestling and super sick um, strikes to uh, strikes to takedown entries. Like that was one thing. His boxing to wrestling is super awesome. He trains under Greg Nelson, world class coach. I love Greg Nelson's clinch game and like pretty pretty much anything I've seen him teach. So um, then you have UFC 101. He submits Kenny Florian, super legit white belt. UFC 107, where I opened up with, he fights Diego Sanchez. And that was the Diego Sanchez fight is his 10th fight. And I, to this point, I mean, yes, he's had some losses. He's had a couple of draws, um, at least one draw. 
Let's see, a draw, one, two, three, four. A draw and four losses to the Diego Sanchez fight. And let's see how many wins. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, fourteen. Fourteen to the Diego Sanchez. So he's fourteen. Four, five, 14, 5, and 1. 14 wins, 5 losses, 1 draw. But now, <coughs> sadly, let's see what BJ Penn's record is. And is his uh, 39 uh, years of age. Um, let's see. Total 16 wins, 7 by knockout, 6 by submission, 3 by decision, 12 losses. So, I mean, he's, I mean, and it just is killing his legacy. Like, I think that BJ Penn could have went out on top. I'm, I'm going to go into some fights that I keep retired after fighting Nick Diaz. But we're just going to kind of trek through fight by fight. Um, and we'll start with UFC 112 and 113, or I'm sorry, 118, uh, where he fights Frankie Edgar back to back. Frankie Edgar beats him in the first, um, <clears throat> in the first uh, bout, did be a decision. Is uh, able to take BJ down, just really mixes it up well, keeps moving. BJ has a hard time dealing with him for whatever reason. Some people say BJ Penn's lazy uh, because he's so athletically talented. I mean, you've seen videos of him jumping out of a pool and all sorts of things of these nature, jumping up on top of a fitness ball. The dude's just super talented. So um, what I'm going to attempt to do versus watching 50 minutes of fights, and I'm going to see if I can pull up on YouTube, BJ Penn versus Frankie. Edgar, it's sad that Frankie Edgar three after losing to him two times. So out of the next nine fights, three of those fights are going to be to Frankie Edgar, and he loses all of them, getting TKO'd in his featherweight debut in the third fight. So why fight a trilogy against somebody you've lost to twice? I don't know. Why ta why taint your legacy on it? Why you know? I mean, it's just I feel like it's um, I don't know these these guys these old guard guys are just choosing these fights like. It just doesn't make sense, and it doesn't make sense that, like, Chuck Liddell starts losing, like, BJ has been losing and has lost. I mean, a lot of BJ stuff's decisions, but the damage you you take is just, man, is it worth it? Is it worth BJ Penn having CTE or not being able to teach and coach and bring up that next generation of MMA fighters? To it, I, just, I see no point in what he's doing. I don't think he should be at back out there fighting. And I think that he starts fighting like um, even if, you know, some older guys, he picks his fights so-so. But I think that picking a fight against um, Nick Diaz, Roy McDonald, the rematch against Frankie Edgar, and then Yair Rodriguez, all of those fights are a horrible decision. Is it a horrible decision for him to fight Dennis Seaver, his most recent loss? Not as much so. Is it John Fitch a horrible decision? Not as much so. Another fight with Matt Hughes? Not as much so. And those are all the fights that, that we're going to break down. So <clears throat> the Frankie Edgar, we will see if we can find BJ versus Frankie highlights. And Symphony. Da, 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 da. Frankie Edgar, BJ Penn. I'm trying to find one that breaks down either all three of their fights, the first two, just so I don't have to um, watch the uh, BJ Penn and Frankie Edgar highlight reel seven years ago I bet this could be a good representation of both their and I've actually gone back and watched these fights recently and they're just somewhat depressing uh it's, it's super um super sad to see a fighter who was once one of my favorite fighters and favorite fighters several of my friends just totally tank their career and go out there and keep getting knocked out and keep getting um 
keep getting beat, keep getting losses and turn their, their win averages from, you know, notable legacy. And I mean, uh, if he's not, I can't remember if uh, BJ Penn's in the UFC Hall of Famer if already, or if he's just going to be a future Hall of Famer. But um, I mean, he's got an incredible legacy. He's been through some awesome stuff. Um, he's got an incredible career in martial arts, but there's something beneath the surface here why this dude is no longer successful. Maybe as to his work ethic, I don't know. But <clears throat> again, I'm super kind of uh, bummed out to see him making some of the decisions that he's that he's been making. I'm trying to get my Chromecast turned on here. It's wearing me out. I just recently um, made some switches on my internet. I couldn't get it working last uh, last either. Actually, it's because I got a new phone. Like nothing's nothing's working out for me like I need it to. New apps on the phone. Okay, yes. All right, so we're casting it up. BJ Penn versus Frankie Edgar highlights. This is a video from um, UFC Stan Fan 1. Maybe it's not that good of a video. I don't know. We'll see. <clears throat> BJ slapping his face, licking people's blood off his gloves, having blood all over his white shorts. I, I used to love how he had those bad boy white shorts with the black belt on them with a little red. Uh, all the all jujitsu white belts have a little red bars and choking the shit out of Kenny Florian. Well, we're uh, halfway through the highlight and we haven't seen any BJ versus Frankie, so looks like that's a clickbait. Uh, let's see. Hmm. BJ versus Frankie one. We'll try that. Okay, UFC one twelve. That's the entire fight. Damn it, we don't want to spend forty and forty two minutes. How someone not put together a highlights? We'll see what this one is. Frankie Edgar Symphony. Probably not all BJ Penn stuff. Oh man, here's a picture of Joe Stevenson after fight. He, you guys got. If you're listening to this, look it up. Uh, uh, Joe Joe Daddy Stevenson when uh, BJ fought him, there was not a square inch of canvas. It seemed like without blood on it, it was super super morbid. So, uh, Frankie Edgar Symphony, yeah, man, BJ just okay. Yeah, this is good. BJ swinging and missing. This is UFC 112. Uh, Frankie just outboxing him. It's not that Frankie didn't take some damage, but damn, he uh, he really took it to him. I remember when. Um, I remember when BJ lost both those fights, they were just super frustrating decisions for a BJ fan. And I mean, I, I became a, a bigger uh, Frankie Edgar fan uh, after that. But um, it's, uh, man, there's Frankie versus Sean Shirk. That's actually a Frankie Edgar highlight that's showing some good BJ Penn action. But I've, I've been a way bigger Frankie Edgar fan now than I ever was a BJ Penn fan, honestly. This, after watching him fight uh, some of these legends and dismantle most, uh, uh, Frankie Edgar's trilogy against Gray Maynard, so excellent. Uh, so, <clears throat> unfortunately, BJ fights and loses to Frankie Edgar two fights in a row. Loses the title, gets an immediate rematch, and it's pretty much the same story. Frankie's able to take him down, I think, every round. And uh, just uh, not really, uh, not really a good uh, outing for Baby J. So let's see here. I'm gonna see if we can. Uh, we're looking at an article losing the title. 
Despite being an overwhelming favorite coming into the Frankie Edgar fight, Penn lost a closely contested bout by unanimous decision. I didn't remember it being close. Breaking his eight-year undefeated streak in the lightweight division, eight of nine media outlets scored the bout in favor of Penn. I do not remember UFC 112 being that close. Uh, after the fight, Penn congratulated Edgar on winning the belt. Despite this, the results garnered much criticism, as many disagreed with the judge's decision after a five-round fight, having believed that Penn had done enough to earn himself the victory. See, that's where, like, I you got to, I mean, there's this sort of um, notion out there that uh, here's Frankie winning the belt and BJ congratulating him. Um, there's this notion out there that if you're, the, in, like, you're the current champion that, you deserve to keep the, like you can do less and still keep the belt. Like that someone has to do extra to dethrone you as a champion in a decision. And I don't really see that argument. Um, I don't know why it's that way. I mean, dude, here's Frankie just dumping BJ. Holy shit. Yeah. Damn. Oh, there's a submarine kick. Frankie submarine kicked him. I think this is the second fight. Yep. Second fight. Frankie submarine kicks him. That's when somebody um, <clears throat> like goes to check your kick and you kick the leg they're standing on or you fake, you fake one kick and you kick the inside of the other leg. So, uh, super, uh, super high level move in my opinion. I mean, I landed periodically, but uh super cool move. So, due to the controversy surrounding the outcome, an immediate rematch with Edgar was scheduled as his first title defense. I, I, I just, I really don't remember seeing, like, I remember Frank Edgar whipping the shit out of BJ in the first fight again. And he, I, I thought that he beat him handily when I watched it last time, but maybe I'll have to go back and see it again, the whole fight, instead of just watching these highlights. So, Penn fights Edgar to rematch at 118. Unable to uh, degrade his uh, ground defense and control the fight with good movement and striking combinations. All three judges score at 50-45 for Edgar. So, second fight, way more dominance. Um, and it's just like BJ's, I don't know, I don't know why. Like, I, I will say this, like, having trained, it's like, when you don't, I was telling somebody this this week, when you don't spar, don't come at me and ask me why you suck at sparring, like, when you're having bad time on your sparring. It's it you it, I was Joe Rogan was talking recently about someone um, not wrestling for just a couple of months and losing all of their timing right so I think that like when you're not doing things like sparring hitting mitts and doing all the things that probably made BJ successful in his earlier fights what le what led to him kind of going down this horrible downfall uh, throughout the the last part of his career. So he loses two to Frankie, and uh, then he fights Matt Hughes. So I'm going to throw that up on the fight pass. I want to watch that whole fight. So this will be his third fight with Matt Hughes, and he has once beat Matt Hughes with a rear naked choke and once lost to Matt Hughes via TKO. So this is their third fight. So he's had a trilogy with Frankie, a trilogy with Matt Hughes, and has he thought, did he fight Jens Pulver three times? Or just two. Fought GSP twice. He fought Kauno twice. He fought Jens Pulver one. And two. Just fought Jens Pulver twice. <clears throat> so I'm queuing up this um, Matt Hughes. We're looking for a Hughes versus Penn, UFC 123, November 20th, 2010. 
So this BJ comes out, and you know, so you have. Uh, let's just recap his last one, two, three, four, five. Uh, let's see. We'll start with okay. So he has these dominant fights: three beats Jens Pulver, Joe Stevenson, Sean Shirk. Then he loses to GSP, corner stoppage, doesn't get off the stool, going into the uh, between the fourth and fifth. Uh, then he um, fights Kenny Florian, but he actually moved up to welterweight for that. I'd like to add. Then he fights Kenny Florian. Um, then he fights Diego Sanchez, we discussed. So then he loses Frankie twice. So it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, he just had a rough run, but he is getting older. Is what's going to happen with his career and uh, and so on and what have you. So, oh, man, I'm not, how am I not signed into Five Pass? This new phone thing is wearing me out, guys. For some, uh, for some martial arts. Should probably not say my password while I'm typing it in. Yeah, getting a new phone is um, is a setback. Uh, several of my numbers I lost because I haven't plugged my phone into the computer in quite some time. Mm. So I'm having to, uh, I didn't even think about not having Fight Pass hooked up. I just got this new phone recently, a new iPhone. I know it's like an iPhone 8. So, oh, i got to spell my email address correctly. Yeah, I was just joking on a previous podcast how much easier it is to text on a Motorola Razor in your or a flip phone in your pocket. <laughs> so I would do that when I was in college and high school, I think. Uh, I didn't have a Razor when I was in high school. But um, you can just text a million miles a minute with no errors in between autocorrect and this keyboard on the iPhone. I just text like a child. It's ridiculous. Okay, let's see if we can get this queued up. I'm trying to throw it on the TV so we don't uh, don't get any copyright issues with YouTube. Let's go back to the Chrome. Chromecast C. They make these third-party apps for like my Chromecast and my Roku, and um, they kind of wear me out. All right, so we hit play. Okay, fast forward. BJ's walking out, looks super pissed, super motivated, super in the zone. He's just come off of a two-fight losing streak against Frankie Edgar. He had won two before that. He had lost GSP at welterweight before that and had won three before that against uh, Shirk Stevenson and Pulver, as was mentioned a second ago. Uh, he's getting Vaselined up. Going to go ahead and fast forward because we got fight pass, and why would you watch the uh, walkout shit when you can just fast forward? Saving time. BJ's pace. I mean, he looks pissed. He looks motivated. He looks in the zone. Uh, and uh, here comes out Matt Hughes, uh, who unfortunately just got hit by a train and can barely walk. Crazy. Like, I knew that he was kind of bad off, um, but he just made an appearance at a recent UFC, which is awesome to see him. But damn, it was, uh, it was a sad deal. So BJ's jumping up and down. Let's see. Uh, and I'll say, in my view, this is the last great time that we saw BJ Penn. This is his last gl glimpse of greatness. After this, his last win. He is on a two, four, five fight losing streak and a draw before that after uh, this fight with Matt Hughes. Dan Mergliotta's a referee. We're walking out. 
BJ's looking super in the zone. Matt Hughes looking a little flat. They bump gloves, backing up. I hate your camo shorts, Matt Hughes. BJ's looking in the zone. I'm digging it. Many of you know how this fight wins. Matt Hughes got his lopsided abs. But he's pretty pretty shredded. So BJ hits him with a little jab rear hook sort of combination. Jabs again. And Hughes is kind of pawing. Throws a kick. BJ catches it. Throws an over the top kind of behind the ear. Those are the ones that'll get you. Bam. Hits him with a rear hook sort of overhand. Knocks him out. He goes immediately limp. And then... It's like the flash knockout. He's awake, but man, you don't need to be getting hit again after you go out. Like he's telling Mergliotta, he's like, no, I'm okay. So he got flash knocked out, got laid out. Mergliotta stopped it, and I rightfully so. He's looking still a little wobbly, but I'm of the view and why I'm doing this podcast that you need to do more to protect these fighters at the, uh, in their in their later careers and ages. Let's see what Matt Hughes did after this. So you see 123. Matt Hughes. Um record Matt Hughes had an incredible career I just recently watched a whole bunch of his fights so Matt Hughes only had one more fight after that to Josh Koscheck in which he also got knocked out so uh, very unfortunate we'll see the replay of the Matt Hughes knockout here and then we'll get back on BJ Penn it's crazy when when fight like they're uh oh Matt Hughes super bummed. BJ Penn's outside the octagon losing his freaking mind. They're taking him back out into the cage, doing the replay. Bink bink, countered. Nice. Matt Hughes paused that jab, he slips, come back with a comes back with sort of a short little hook overhand and uh this man's classic slip the jab come back with the right hand boom boom looks like he might have can't like fainted a lead hook with it too goes down right on top of him pretty much has him mounted when the tko happens so bj wins and uh as i said that's about bj's last gl glimpse at greatness um let's see about BJ Penn. I'm gonna go ahead and pull up his fights here on the fight pass. Get the fight pass up and rolling. <clears throat> so we just did BJ Penn, Matt Hughes. Then we got next BJ Penn versus John Fitch. I personally hate John Fitch. John Pitch. John Fitch is probably the most boring fighter I've ever seen in my life. Like, I like. I, I mean, and I get it. I get it. I get that you are going to not finish every fight. And I and I think that there's trends in these fighters that, that I've brought up and discussed that you can see in their legacy. They start losing or stop finishing or they stop finishing and then they start losing. They start fighting decisions and they start losing. Yes, there are exceptions like Steve Miocic, for example. Fought a bunch of decisions, but he's finished like his... Other uh, than Ngane, he's finished like four, four or five fights before that. So <clears throat> John Fitch who's uh, super anti-UFC, by the way. I oh, didn't know John Fitch beat Brian Foster in 2017, June 30th, 2017. Brian Foster can't get a license to fight um, anywhere else uh, due to a brain hemorrhage. Let's see what Brian Foster's record's up to real quick. 
Brian Foster is in the same state that we are. Um, but uh, he's recently at an AGF at a grappling tournament, showed his ass. Uh, okay, Brian Foster got licensed to fight in World Series of Fighting several times, lost to Jake Shields, knew that, fought another couple of people. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He had several fights in World Series of Fighting. But uh, I remember he couldn't get licensed in UFC anymore and then in like Bellator because of a, a like bleeding on his brain. Excuse me. Uh, let's see. Brian Foster also got choked out in his own guard in the UFC one time. I think it was, uh, let's see. <clears throat> Matt Brown submitted him. Oh, no, he submitted Matt Brown. Damn. At UFC 123. Good for him. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, Rick Story submitted him with an arm triangle choke in his own guard at, uh, at UFC 103. How embarrassing. It can happen, though. I've been submitted in my own guard by Willie McLaughlin, uh, who's actually coach of uh, a friend of ours that's on The Ultimate Fighter right now, Bryce Thug Nasty Mitchell. We've been talking about him on the podcast a little bit recently. Good dude. Came to the grand opening of, of uh, our last location, our gym. Uh, super fierce. Uh, he's undefeated at a, his pro. I think he's 9-0, and and he's it's undefeated season with Steve Miocic and uh, Daniel Cormier, and I'm excited to see that fight take place. Uh, okay, so enough about Brian Foster. Let's back that up. And we're on John Fitch. So it's good to see John Fitch submitted someone in 2017. I was just talking shit about him, but and I'm going to tell you guys why I'm talking shit about him. He got knocked out by Johnny Hendricks at UFC 141. That was after the BJ Penn fight. Man, I didn't know he had that. Man, I stopped following him. Okay, so <clears throat> John Fitch fights BJ Penn to a draw, one of the most boring fights I've ever seen. <clears throat> I'd like to add. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, so let's count up the number of decisions in John Fitch's career in a row starting with Diego Sanchez to BJ Penn. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight decisions and then a draw. Then he gets knocked out by Johnny Hendricks, and then we go two decisions, then he gets a guillotine, then we go two decisions and he gets a knee bar, then we go three decisions, then he gets this uh, submission of Brian Foster. Uh, it's some PFL one, some new organization. But uh, so like, yeah, yeah, this is uh, this is what I'm talking about. And like, so fortunately for John Fitch, even though he's a boring ass fighter, fights a bunch of decisions, his record is not bad. Um, he was a uh, World Series of Fighter Welterweight Championship. I just kind of I just stopped following him. So I thought he was boring as shit. Uh, AKA guy. I mean, I think like guys like this at a certain point should get into coaching and bringing up that next generation. I'm always saying it's like. Yeah, yeah. Greg Jackson's the man. Mike Winklejohn's the man. But like, what about the generation of people that that start coaching out of that gym? And maybe maybe they don't produce any high level coaches. But I I feel like that they're going to. I'm I'm excited to see MMA ten years from now. Everybody's like, well, Matt Hume, you know, he had all the experience. And and I think that it's going to be some of these fighters like the John Fitches and the John Jones, so they feel ever get a shit together or uh, whoever that end up coaching that next generation it's going to be exciting i'm I'm looking forward to it I no matter what the team with this aka it's jackson wink uh it's team alpha male i mean that's like you look at Dwayne ludwig making a transition from fighting to coaching and producing um serious results so john fitch he's 39 
and uh, he's fighting BJ Penn to draw at uh, UFC 127 in Australia. That's got to be another big factor, traveling to way far off places. That was in February 2011. So this many years later, 2017, John Fitch is still fighting. Fought some legit people, fought Jake Shields twice, uh, lost to Paul Harris due to a knee bar. Did I say he submitted? Did I say the, okay. I was thinking, he, okay, yeah. So he lost that fight that I mentioned to Nibar, and he lost that fight I mentioned to a guillotine choke. I was not looking at the result, so in error there earlier when I spoke. But after losing to BJ Penn, he's lost four times, and he's won seven times. So he's uh, seven and four after going to a draw to BJ Penn. But coincidentally, most of them are outside of the UFC. Started fighting at, at World Series of Fighting 3. And after leaving the UFC, he got super disenchanted and stuff. But it's like... Um, yeah, wow. The only wins he's got that weren't decision is that one over Brian Foster, the guy with the brain hemorrhage. Damn. So, yeah, I've seen Brian Foster at a few tournaments lately, and he's just like, uh, I don't know. I'm saying he makes me nervous, but he just doesn't seem like somebody that uh, you want to be in a room with. <laughs> he's not uh, I don't know, he was just yelling at some dude a couple of tournaments ago that I was at, and I was just like, okay, I'm going to go over here now. Of course, Justin Rader does the same thing. He's super legit, but he's usually about social justice at the tournament, which I also am too, and that might have been Brian Foster's content, a complaint uh, that was going on at that time. I get super passionate when I have athletes competing and some purple belt referee doesn't know what the fuck he's doing likes to fuck shit up for that person, you know? So... um but AGF's an awesome tournament, unlike the IBJJF, and they will work with the athletes and with the coaches to bring about a level of customer service unlike anything I've seen in the grappling industry. So if you haven't heard of the American Grappling Federation, check them out. I actually sponsor of my wife in her jiu-jitsu competition. She's got a fight coming up, her second amateur MMA fight, Sun Defeating Kickboxing. And uh, <clears throat> she has uh, competed in a bunch of AGFs as, as well as myself and uh number of my students so john fitch is a boring ass fighter that's where we're going with that back to bj penn who is a tragic fighter so next we're gonna pull up bj penn versus nick diaz and i'm gonna watch this whole fight on the podcast um another tragic fight I wanted to see this fight, though. I think that this fight was somewhat evenly matched. It made, I mean, you know, it wasn't evenly matched, but it made sense. It made sense for BJ Penn to do this fight. Nick Diaz was coming back. It was a UFC welterweight title eliminator. It was fight of the night. It was super exciting, and um, I was super excited to see it. Uh, very, very excited to see it. Uh, and uh, so let's go ahead and uh, get this thrown up on the uh, – on the podcast or up on the uh, TV here in the studio. Fast forward a little bit. Mike and Joe. Mike Goldberg, man. I kind of miss him in the UFC. See, now I'm here and seeing some sweet ass BJ Penn highlights from back in the day. Same thing with Nick Diaz. Still fast forward. This is UFC 137. I may have this one on DVD as well. What's a DVD? What's a CD? I, asked, I was talking to my history class the other day, and we were joking about how CDs aren't a thing anymore. It's all in the cloud. Which, uh, I had uh, Rob McCormick on the podcast yesterday and talking about um, 
like uh digital music is like sound quality wise like the shittiest version you could possibly take in that's why i've got i've recently i uh, got a record player and i'm, I'm starting to uh, get into vinyl all right let's get you and spend more time like i'm nine minutes into this 36 minute fight 10 11 minutes and the fight still hasn't started so we're 12 minutes in fight's about to start and if you don't have ufc five pass you gotta get that i mean guts to Come on now. So important. Uh, like, seriously, for this podcast, UFC Fight Pass is like one of the smartest things I could do. I really want to get a sponsor that's like a music streaming site. Uh, like, um, I think Quillo's one, uh, Nugsnet is one. There's several. But um, for these music, I did a music unraveled earlier today over. Uh, Maynard from Tool, as I mentioned, Perfect Circle and Pussifer. But um, it would be nice to just be able to pull up live concerts and stuff uh, from those particular artists and, um, you know, <clears throat> break those down right on the podcast or listen to them live and review concerts. Or let's say we went to a Todd Snyder concert and they throw that up and stream that and we can then relive the concert in a sense in our headphones which is not being recorded while we uh while we talk about it it's just, just a cool way to re-experience things or if you can't make it to a concert a uh, cool way to experience things so podcast is in its super early uh early formation and days but uh sponsors are definitely gonna be something that we uh try to acquire over time as well as a producer i need somebody to edit these podcasts and upload them for me because i'm a busy dude own a gym, teaching history, don't have time to do all the stuff I want to do, but here I am doing my second podcast of the day. I'm going to try and finish a, a movie review I've been doing and get it up today as well, trying to spend some time doing some editing, but I got a couple of private lessons in two hours, so we'll see uh, We'll see what all we can get done. <clears throat> Nick Diaz, 26-7-1. Man, I love Nick Diaz. I love the Diaz brothers. I like watching them fight. They're always exciting to watch. Very exciting to watch. Nick Diaz, BJ Penn, UFC 137. A match between the two best welterweights, between two of the best welterweights in the world has been set. So Nick Diaz fighting welterweight here. He's moved up from 155. And, it, and now I think his last two or three fights have been at featherweight. He did move to Greg Jackson's camp, and that's a joke going around. Greg Jackson's camp's on a big losing streak, probably because he's taking these people in that are on the tail end of their careers, and they should have just gone to see him in the first place. But uh, it's, it's a joke going around that Greg Jackson's camp's kind of where fighters go to die. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, uh, I've trained with Greg Jackson a few times. I've got his books, um, but it's uh, they are on a, a pretty substantial losing streak, unfortunately. And um, it's uh, I still I still think that they're relevant. I just think uh, they're just a little bit of a slump, unfortunately. But uh, anyway, such is life. Uh, not not all teams can be the greatest forever. So Diaz is coming over from Strike Force. <sighs> Ends up having some depressing fights. Can't stop t uh, testing positive for marijuana, much like Pride 33 talking origami. Sweet go-go plot of win, just wiped away. BJ Penn, 16, 7, and 2, 5, 9, pounds out of Hilo, Hawaii. Walking around slapping himself in the face. We're 14 minutes in, 36-minute uh, 
video and we still haven't seen a punch stone. We've got to do something about this, guys. Jay. Bam. Bruce Buffer's losing it. I know you guys can't hear it, but I got it in my earphones. Everybody's exiting the cage. They're coming out to the middle. Man, Nick Diaz would just intimidate the shit out of me if I was fighting him. Freaking uh, Josh Rosenthal, speaking of marijuana, got arrested and uh, imprisoned for selling weed. Now he's back. Gentlemen, you ready? You ready? Yeah, we're ready, Josh. Let's do this. All right. Nick's coming out, kind of backing up. Takes takes uh, two jabs right down the tube from BJ. BJ's backing him up. Does like a little triple jab and a little shovel hook, rear uppercut to the body. Working some knees. Diaz got him up against the cage. 440 into the first round. It's such a good fight. I've watched this fight so many times. Four twenty nine. Good, nice. BJ Penn does a little turn, hits a rear hook on the way out with the clinch. Now they're kind of back towards the center, but uh, BJ's still holding m the majority of the real estate in the octagon, and then landed most of the punches too. He keeps doing a little split jab. He keeps splitting. Uh, Diaz is standing at orthodox. He keeps slipping Diaz's jab and uh, landing a jab of his own. A little counter jab, split jab. Diaz finally opening up his jab a little bit. Nick, Nick kind of pawing his jab, 8-1 because of it. BJ's doing good about grabbing like a single collar tie and throwing an uppercut or a rear hook. He did good about turning with that a couple of times previously. <clears throat> Three and a half left in the round bj goes for a single this is super exciting does like a little baron bolo but uh, uh diaz is on like a mat of guillotine for a second bj comes up takes the back does a leo Vieira style seatbelt roll ends up man like here he ends up in like a truck position essentially he's got the bottom hook set on the back he could move to a twister from here if he if he if he played that game probably doesn't even though he's super legit both these guys are super legit on the ground Super legit black belts. BJ Penn, Novinyah black belt. Sadly, his team's kind of uh, fallen apart over the years. Uh, just had a uh, legendary uh, former, or maybe current, I'm not sure, an Novinyah guy and uh, Flavio Kennep on the podcast. Amazing story. If you haven't listened to that episode, you should check it out. Still on the ground. BJ Penn's like on top in like a single under half guard position. And uh, Diaz is sort of doing a little bit of his shin across the bicep Z guard. Uh, punching from the bottom with a uh, little back fist and hammer fist. BJ's trying to pass, but they're just engaging a little ground and pound battle. Two minutes, 20 seconds uh, into the first round. Okay, BJ stands up. Diaz kind of sits up onto like a single. They stand up, and BJ's got a little bit of a headlock. Nick pushes him against the cage. Works a little knee to the thigh. That's pesky knee to the thigh up against the cage. Uh, sure does blow. Just like a just like getting kicked. I mean, somebody knees you really good in the common peroneal nerve, and like right where you get leg kicked above the knee, it will suck.
BJ using a little uh, butterfly hook, a uh, little to create some distance. Judo, we call it sumigeshi. Throw you could do with that butterfly hook as that is. I really like BJ what he's doing with his clinch here. He keeps doing like little, little sort of tie clinch variation. Land a couple good shots. At some point, BJ Penn starts to fade in this round. This fight and the next one, I think he fights Roy McDonald next. He just he takes a lot of damage, and that's one thing I worry about these fighters' later careers. So we're on, we're entering one, two, three, four. Nick Diaz's five fight losing streak. Or I'm not. I'm sorry, not Nick Diaz. BJ Penn's five fight losing streak. So recently, did Diego Sanchez? BJ just splits his forehead open at 107. Loses two decisions to Frankie. Some people say the first one was close. I say Frankie won both of them decisively, and uh, BJ looked flat in both of them. First one was more exciting, but uh, then you have him knock out Matt Hughes, and um, which Matt Hughes retires one fight after that. So how impressive is that? Fights a decision, uh, or I'm sorry, a majority draw to the guy that only fights boring fights in John Fitch, and now he's now he's fighting Nick Diaz. First round's pretty easy, going off the takedown and um, punches landed. It looks like BJ's fading a little bit. Maybe it's cardio. I don't know what. It's it's funny. BJ's worked with like Mike Dolce and stuff over the years. It's always it seems to be a theme of like uh, he talked all this shit about Mike Dolce and it's like I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I personally feel like just from the outside and it could just be media interpretations. DS switch Southpaw that um, BJ's lazy uh, and uh, also doesn't take responsibility for uh, things going bad. I want to say he actually retires after this fight. Is that? Oh, we'll see at the end. First round, I like ideas. Just calm, deep breaths, walking back to his corner. BJ was looking uh, like he f was fading a little bit at the end of the round. When BJ did that single, they're doing highlights now. When BJ did that single, he almost got guillotined, but did another sweet back take. Here's what, man. He could have done like a, a he could have played the truck for sure. Coach is saying, put those hands together. You look good. Richard Perez talking to Nick. Nick's got a little damage on the face. Man, the Diaz brothers have so much scar tissue on their face. It's ridiculous. Second round's coming up. Both fighters are sweating profusely. At least BJ is. It's crazy how much sweat you can work up in five minutes. Uh, one of my last fights, I was uh, just like covered in sweat and it was uh, in the first round. There's three minute rounds. BJ, uh, Nick leading with his forehead. Just, Come on, punch me in the forehead. Punch me in the forehead. Oh, just one-two leg kick. The Diaz brothers rarely set up their leg kicks, or, but they can throw good leg kicks. I've seen them. Like, uh, uh, Nick just set up a really nice leg, like a one-two leg kick. It's pretty, pretty sick. Covering up, countering. Diaz drives BJ to the cage. 30 seconds into the round. Working the body. I love that combo that Nick Diaz, well, and I've seen both of them do it. They'll get somebody up against the body and just about plant their forehead on their chest and just dink, 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 hit them with like three body hooks and then an overhand. Four ten, second round. BJ's controlling, uh, or uh, Nick's controlling BJ up against the cage. Uh, they're going down the quarter panels. Diaz is getting warned for having fingers in the finch, the fence. BJ's blocking with his knee and shin, foot and hooks like he was earlier. 
Dick, uh, Diaz has been worn three times for fingers in the fence. Southpaw now. Palm in a little bit, going palm to palm. Diaz got some damage under his eye. Good straights. Diaz is throwing some real good straights. BJ goes for a, a single. Nick kind of sprawls, sits BJ down. Now he's got him in a headlock working knees. BJ postures out of that. There's that combo. Three body hooks and, a, and then a, a rear hook to the head, but from southpaw, so it's lead hook, south, southpaw lead hook. Southpaw would be a rear lead, rear, and then to the body, and then a, a lead hook to the head. You could also do that with overhands. Leads out with the body cross from southpaw. Leading out with the body cross could kind of throw you for a little bit of a loop. I've had uh, some really good boxers do that on me in the past, and it's one of those things you don't really expect a whole lot. It's a big straight right hand coming right down the tube to the body is a, is a, just a direct way to enter into a combination or a single strike. Nick is Nick is just turning it on up against the uh, up against the cage, mixing it up a lot, going to the body, throw some good body hooks or a good uppercut to the body, standing southpaw, another hook to the body, a uh, little hook to the head, hook to the body, shovel hook to the body. He's orthodox now. One two shovel hook, three two clinch knee. Now he's forehead. There's there's working that body hook again. Just leaning on him. Then he goes, BJ's blocking with his shins. He kind of drops in for a single, then to a double. Two minutes uh, into the uh, remaining in the round. So fight's over, half over. Nick's putting his fingers in the fence again. Body head again. Uppercut. Uppercut hook. One, two, one, three. Body hook, body hook. More like an uppercut to the body and then a body hook. BJ's taking some damage right now. Minute twenty. Diaz got him on the got him on the cage, just walking him down, landing everything. Body hook, body head. Leading out to the body or going body head a lot. He's led out to the to the body with straights and hooks several times. Setting him up off ones and twos and one twos. Two bodies again. Straight left from Southpaw. One two shovel hook from Southpaw. Diaz really working his hook. That same hook he knocked Robbie Lawler out, as a matter of fact. Uh, Nick's damage. He's bleeding under his eye, but he's talking shit too. BJ's bleeding out his nose like crazy. Taking a ton of damage uppercut body body head 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 body head head uppercut standing him up oh man over the top with the hook so he's punching the uppercuts are like going up but between bj's guard <clears throat> and then he's throwing like a hook over the arm over bj's arm that he's guarding with lots of blood coming from bj's facial region 10 seconds in the round, a little less. They break apart. Man, I just feel like, why Why do they do the clacker warning, I wonder? I feel like people uh, sometimes start resting and or fighting harder when they hear the clacker, but it just, I don't know. Um, 
I wonder why they do the 10 second clacker. You know, a little clacker when there's 10 seconds left in the round. They don't, and then it's seconds out when, uh, which I've never been to, uh, on the cage side or in the cage UFC event personally, but every other athletic commission states that we fought in, it's seconds out when there's like 10 seconds left in the one minute interim between the rounds. So, so BJ's coach saying, whatever you got in the tank, you got to go at it right now because he lost that round big. Just highlights here. BJ or uh, Diaz all out in BJ's face at the beginning of round three, third and final round. Diaz right on top of him. Bop, 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 bop. BJ lands a good little jab. Nick keeps doing this thing where he stands southpaw and puts his jab hand, sleet hand, which is right. Uh, almost like palm to palm on BJ's, and he's, he's countering off that. That's a little technique I use a lot, especially in boxing gloves. BJ does look for a takedown right there, single leg. Diaz turns him, controlling with the head. I always like it when I see a tall fighter really use their head against the cage. Diaz killing it right now. Diaz is landing so uh, such a high percentage of his strikes. BJ's taking a ton of damage. That's what I'm talking about. The fights like this change people. I've seen it. Wars, wars change fighters. You're going to see that more and more with like Robbie Lawler, Rory McDonald, some of these people that have been in the – I mean, Joe Stevenson, like that dude's still in the game, sadly. I think this is recently on like a, uh Ultimate Fighter a few seasons ago, and it's just like, dude – you were finished when BJ beat the fuck out of you. It's going to push CTE and, and, uh, and brain-related injuries and, and things of that nature to the forefront of this sport because athletic commissions are still willing to license fighters when they've been brutally knocked out or been through wars or are on, like, multiple fight-losing streaks. And, I mean, I can only speculate that the only reason BJ is – still in in the octagon is because he's a name and uh the ufc can make money off of him people like me will uh watch his fights but i'm not gonna watch his fights anymore i haven't watched bj's last three fights and he had some time uh from 2012 2014 to 2014 2017 he didn't really do anything but i'm just i'm done i'm done after the roy mcdonald fight which is next let's see if i can find a highlight of that Diaz on that double body shot to head two times in a row, jab. BJ swinging and missing a lot. Coming up on the midpoint of the third round, about to hit 230. That was interesting. Rosenthal told him not to punch the back of the head because the hook hit behind the ear. It's like, um, but his opponent's facing, I don't know. It's, they're standing up. I wouldn't have said that. I'm trying to hit people in the back of the head. Punching around that ear. 
a vast majority of uh, like overhand knockouts and a ton of knockouts and a ton of, there's that three body hook and then a lead overhand from South Park combination. And with that shot, like right behind the ear, that's, that's the back of the head is according to Rosenthal. And I get technically it sort of is, but since it in my view. BJ's really, really pushing, trying to move forward. Minute 30. BJ is landing a little bit. He's dropping his hands and losing his posture, too, though. He's exhausted. Get my next video queued up. Nick is uh Nick's is pressing him up against the cage. One minute remaining. Uh BJ Penn highlights. Yep, that's what we'll watch. One fifty seconds remaining. They're exchanging pretty heavily. Just a lot of one twos being thrown. Ones, ones, twos, twos. BJ lands that little uh, little single collar tie uppercut. Diaz reaches for a clinch and BJ throws a uh, right hand straight down the tube. Thirty seconds. Uh, Diaz hits a high kick. I would one two and a one two. They land another high kick. Standing southpaw. BJ's trying to circle into his uh, left high kick from southpaw. That's one thing. Uh, Diaz is good at uh, strategically switching when he's got people against the cage. Showcase that a little bit in this fight. He's using it for ring control. Driving him back into his lead hook. There's that three-body hook combo again. Time. That was a good fight. Nick Diaz clearly beat the shit out of BJ. His eyes all jacked up. Closed, practically. Diaz got some damage. His eyes a little jacked up, his right eye. But, you know, he's just in a three-round fight with one of the best. A guy that used to be one of the best. And maybe it, maybe it's fights like this and the next one that are, are, are what set the, set the stage for his next three because he moves to featherweight and has three fights and loses all three of them. wonder if at some point he didn't, like, sign a new contract to do so many fights and if that's run out or, or what. And he's taking time off, so it's like that. Maybe that gave him ways to craft arguments for comebacks and switching camps and things of that nature. But again, I'm of the of the school of thought that that this uh, particular fighter should not be issued a license. Nate Diaz is uh, talking a lot of shit in the cage, and uh, here in a second he's gonna be, "Where you at, George? Where you at?" So he's supposed to fight George St. Pierre next. I think he ends up fighting Carlos Condit next and then George St. Pierre, but um I'd have to I'd have to look. Where are you at, George? Um so yep, that is uh, correct. He fights Carlos Condit next because uh, I don't remember why. And he tests positive for marijuana, then he loses to GSP. Too bad. Where are you at, George?
Caesar Gracie, Richard Perez. Caesar Gracie raising both their hands. See, BJ Penn used to be under Half Gracie. So if you don't know who uh, Kurt Osiander is, this is a big celebration and win for the Diaz camp. This is uh, Diaz's first fight back in the UFC. He's been Strikeforce champion. Um, people really, really were looking. I, I was so excited when Nick Diaz came back. Someone saying, call out that motherfucker. I don't think George is hurt. I think he's scared. Where you at, George? Oh, George, I'm so scared. I'm shaking. Joe Rogan still has hair. That's crazy. How about that? 2011, Joe Rogan still had a full head of hair. Okay, so onward to Rory McDonald. Let's go ahead and check that out. 2012. So after uh, from December 2012 for December 2013 and July uh, into so it's uh, that's one that would be one year. And then you have six months later, July 6, 2014. BJ comes back after this Rory McDonald fight and fights Frankie Edgar for some reason. For a third time, after having lost to him twice, Frankie's moved down to 45. UFC, for the longest time, didn't have a 35 and 45 division and added it after um, uh, acquiring uh, the WEC contracts and organization and fighters and so on. Roy McDonald on fire at this point. Like, this is really when he was on top and, and has done a lot more since. So let's uh, go ahead and pull him up. So Rory has just beat Nate Diaz, Mike Powell, Che Mills. He had lost to Carlos Condit. Gets kind of like TKO'd in the third round. Fight of the night for sure. And he was a super young fighter then. That was actually his second fight in the UFC. And he's fighting Carlos Condit when Carlos Condit was pretty much on like high-level high prospect. I remember when Carlos Condit came to the UFC, everybody was, man, McDonald is beating the shit out of BJ. I got to back this up. So watching the highlights. So uh, BJ's fighting at welterweight still, and so he's going to move down from welterweight to featherweight. So he's fought m more fights at lightweight. Has a good oh, McDonald working the leg kick. I remember this. Oh, fakes a leg kick, goes to the head, a little question mark style. McDonald has such a good jab in this fight. Also amazing kick, switch kick to the head. All on the all of the Diaz fight. Nice little jab, slip, and then a shovel hook. One, two, shovel hook. BJ's leaning down. Oh, man, I remember that. He he put serious damage on DJ's, BJ's body. Mixing it up. Knee, kick, three-count boxing combination. Knee, kick. It wasn't that BJ uh, didn't have anything for McDonald. I remember he did. Uh, he had a couple of good takedown attempts. And, oh, man, here's McDonald doing the shuffle step on him and doing these crazy Anderson Silva hands. Jab rear leg was the story. McDonald beat him handily. This little uh, little highlight reel of their uh, their fight. But if you've never seen um, BJ Penn versus Roy McDonald, I mean Roy McDonald. Besides that Carlos Condit fight, he beat uh, he beat BJ Penn and he beat Jake Ellenberger. Jake Ellenberger at this time was on top. Uh, loses a split decision to Robbie Lawler. Freaking war. Then he comes back, beats Damian Maya. Then beast Tyron Woodley.
Then Beats' Tariq Safadin guy came over from uh, Strike Force uh, on a fight night. And uh, then he loses a TKO in the fifth round to Robbie Lawler, kind of that same story of that Carlos Condit fight. And then he loses a decision to Stephen Thompson. Uh, and uh, moves over to Bellator's on a two-fight win streak where he's now um, the welterweight champ. So, And uh, if you listen to the podcast, we all know that the reason he's in Bellator after only losing four total fights in the UFC over a span of a ton of fights um, is because the Fertitta brothers own, own Bellator. Fuck, he's only 28 years old, too. Roy McDonald. What a savage. So 28, and let's see, that would have been five years ago that he was fighting BJ. So he's like 22 years old, roughly, um, in, the, in the neighborhood, depending on what the dates match up. But super young. Uh, let's see, here's some, uh, here's some names for Roy McDonald. I knew the Red King, but the Canadian psycho, Ares, God of War. The Water Boy and the Mass Murderer. Weird. Okay, back to BJ Penn. So, Nick Diaz, Roy McDonald, two wars for BJ. Then he comes back and gets TKO'd by Frankie. Let's pull a video of that happening up. And um, <clears throat> I will uh, share some of the uh, highlights in the descriptions if you guys were wanting to um, watch some of these. Uh, I, I highly suggest people getting five pass. It's nine bucks a month, and it is uh, such a good investment. I pulled up, um, I'm pulling up clips on youtube for this but uh between youtube and fight pass all things mma i need to see are readily available uh let's see bj versus frankie three why why did that why why this fight why you already lost twice <clears throat> i didn't watch this i have no interest in watching it uh frankie edgar versus bj penn the ultimate fighter 19 finale ufc fight night and let's see. Uh, I'm looking for a good video. Here's a good one. Frankie Edgar versus uh, BJ Penn versus Frankie Edgar 3, the trilogy. Like, that's a big deal, MMA meltdown. Yeah, they just they hyped us, I'm sure, a lot. Let's fast forward a little bit. I just did not see Frankie winning, or I'm sorry, BJ beating uh, Frankie in the first fight at all. Okay, fast forwarding. We want to see the um, the highlights, please. I'm here for the highlights. I, I'm here for the highlights. Oh, come on. Uh, okay, we need to find a better video than that. Edgar versus Pin 3. This is seven minutes long, six and a half minutes long. We'll see how this is. It doesn't look very good quality. It looks like somebody did it on a freaking iPhone. Oh, they did. How about that? So that's not going to be something that I want to see. I'll try and line these up a little better for you next time. I just don't want to watch these BJ Penn fights. I mean, how does BJ Penn? I mean, there's a ton of BJ Penn fights I'll pull up and watch uh, on the Fight Pass. But, I mean, we've been podcast for a little while. And um, 
it would be several hours if I watched all 10 of these fights. I just want to kind of um, highlight them a little bit and go over um, my views on uh, some of the things that uh, I brought up about fighter longevity and them them still being uh, still being allowed to get out there and do things um, at a certain point. You know, it's like it, there. I think there needs to be some clearly uh, more clearly delineated rules. BJ Penn just stand. I'm I am watching how I now uh, just standing up straight fighting Frankie. It's Frankie gonna take you down, dude. Ooh, Frankie lands a nasty head kick. We'll see. This fight ends in the third round with a TKO via punches from Frankie. I have a feeling that's coming up in the particular video that I'm watching. Still watching the iPhone video. Couldn't find a better one. But I think it, I believe they're just showing the um, uh, third round. Frankie's outlanded BJ. Gets a weird little takedown trip thing. That was cool. Almost like a little Osoto. Good job, Frankie. Frankie's on top. I'm going to rewind that a little bit. Trying to see what leg Frankie used to set that up. Gets the takedown. Nice. On top. Frankie's in BJ's guard. He's working. Working to pass. BJ's got feet on the hips. Frankie's landing shots in the ear. BJ's trying to frame, stand up. Frankie's trying to pass. BJ's back, feet on the hips, the butterfly. Frankie's hopping over. BJ has a good guard. Um, let's see. Frankie's just working BJ over. He's putting the pressure down on him to pass. He's in the half mount now. Oh, man, just raining it down. Getting a text about, oh, man, BJ's blood's all over the place. One of my private lessons is telling me that he had to... Um, he has to go see the Black Panther tonight, so he can't can't make the lesson. If you want, uh, I'll be around Sunday. Frankie's annihilating BJ in the guard. BJ's face is just excruciating. Frankie's landing nasty elbows, punches, punches, elbow, punch, elbow. Somebody stopped us. Jesus H. Seen enough. What round was that in? Man, 3-0 and against BJ. Finished him in the third fight. It's kind of much like the Gray Maynard fight. Fights two decisions and finishes him. Actually, wait. Did, did Frankie lose to Gray, or did they fight to a draw? I'm going to have to look that up. Uh, da, da, da. Fought to a draw. Then he beat him. KO'd him with punches. But before that, Gray... Okay, yeah, so they were tied up. Yeah. All right. So that's that. Let's see about the um, 
the Yair Rodriguez fight. I think that's what's next. Yair Rodriguez, we're just going to pull up the finish on that. BJ gets finished two fights in a row, but they still license him to fight a third time against Dennis Stever. Uh, Stever. Stever. Uh, Yair Rodriguez versus BJ Penn. <clears throat> okay. Two more fights to go on BJ Penn's last 10 fights. Pulling up a little highlight here. BJ Penn versus Yair Rodriguez fight highlights. Yair's freaking yoked. I believe I did watch this fight. BJ's coming forward. He just can't, like, he can't hang with Yair Rodriguez. It's like scarier than Roy McDonald was when you fought him, bro. He is beating the shit out of you. He's missed a lot of punches. He keeps punching around the head. Just that level of athleticism you can't keep up with. BJ, he maybe could if he wasn't allegedly lazy, but he's aging too. How old is Yair Rodriguez right now? 25? Jesus, why? Why make this fight? It makes no sense. Yari Rodriguez throwing spinning back kicks. Crazy, mixing it up, modern game. Striking is just on a whole other level. Submarine kicked him. Sidekick. Jumping knee to a wizard freaking leg throw. Tie clinch. Jump spinning 360 round kick. Front kick under the chin. That jump 360 round kick was super dope. There's a jump round kick. He's hit, he's hit him with 10 head kicks already, just on the highlights. This fight's over in two rounds, and he is fucking him up. Oh, my God. See, I just hate seeing this. This is why I have the opinion I have, because I saw this fighter on, like, their downfall. Like, he has no, like, his, what is his legacy? This is his legacy we're watching right now. This dude's kicking him relentlessly. Front kick, round kick, calf kick, spinning elbow, overhand, uppercut. Every time he's throwing a long punch, he, like, he misses it. It goes like behind BJ's head or something or past his head. Oh, front kick, knocks BJ down, runs around the legs, is doing these crazy gorilla hammer fists. Oh, dude. Front kick, then like an overhand. BJ falls down, front kick, punch. Puts his front kick down in front of him after he kicks and then punches. He's doing these crazy gorilla hammer fist on BJ, just swarming him, overwhelming him. BJ's trying to do some guard retention, but he just can't. Oh, man, he's getting rocked. His head's bouncing. He's still, he was still um, lucid, but, man, took a lot of damage. His his face isn't as jacked up as it has been in some previous fights. Maybe because 45ers is doing less damage to him. I don't know. Then you have DJ lose a... Uh, so both those fights... Uh, so this and the next fight were in 2017. Um, you have uh, BJ lose a super, in my opinion, a super boring decision to Dennis Seaver in uh, Oklahoma City. And uh, so that's... Uh, BJ Penn's last fights, uh, last 10 fights. Dennis Seaver uh, was a majority decision on UFC Fight Night Kiesa versus Lee, and that was June of 2017. So that would have been like one month before I was in Vegas watching Purdue and Overeem and uh, Justin Gagey. So just to recap, BJ's last 10 fights, you got a uh, dominating win over Diego Sanchez after submitting Kenny Florian, but that'd be 11 fights. And you got two losses to Frankie, a knockout of a old and decrepit retiring Matt Hughes uh, a draw with one of the most boring fighters of all time and John Fitch 
two crazy losses in a row to Nick Diaz and Roy McDonald where he took a lot of damage. Frankie Edgar delivered a lot of damage. And Yair Rodriguez delivered a lot of damage. Those four fights and then he fights a decision to Dennis Seaver, who's another guy that's kind of on his way out. It's like those are the fights I think BJ should be fighting. But um, that is uh, a draw and then five losses in a row. And of those five losses, um, let's see, three of them were decisions. Two of them he gets his ass beat. And two of them are finishes. Uh, and then he has two big decisions. It's been a lot of wars. Let's So one, two, three, four, five, six fights that went the distance. So, you know, at a certain point, there's got to be like maybe a statistical way to go about like how much damage a fighter has received over their career or something. But either way, I mean, it's just uh, it's sad to see a fighter tarnish their own legacy, either through their lack of uh, willingness to work hard or surround themselves with bad people or, or what have you. I mean, it's kind of in a way happened with, uh, with Mike Tyson. Uh, I feel like, uh, in the later on portions of his career, no one can stay on top forever, but, um, <clears throat> super unfortunate to see a fighter. I really, uh, in like when I first got into MMA, was a super big fan of super admired and, uh, to see him be on the downfall like he was. I remember when he knocked Diego Sanchez out, I was just like, wow, he's just the best. Or he didn't knock him out as a doctor stoppage. But when he split up in his forehead like that in the fifth round, <clears throat> it was just, uh, and when he submitted Kenny Florian before that, like, those are the upper echelon guys at the time. So, but uh, anyway, that's BJ Penn's last 10 fights. Thanks for listening. MMA Unraveled, episode number five. Signing off. <laughs>